All right, what's cracking, big dogs? This is an emergency episode. Normally, we're getting bunk bed breakdowns out every single Wednesday, and normally I'm not the host, but I'm going to run this shit because it's been a little bit hectic, and I know my boys over here are on his experience sifting through all the grit in the mud right now. So day one of free agency has kicked off, and it's basically got us all forgetting about the coronavirus, to be honest with you, uh, unless you are um, a Houston Texans fan, then, then life is just crumbling around you right now in every aspect of it. There have been some big-ass moves going around on the first day of free agency. We have players signing. We have tags going around. We got fucking trades happening. Uh, Noah, you said before this, like, has free agency ever been this crazy? Because this is the first time you're really, like, really diving into it and really paying attention to it. I feel like last year has been up to par. I think each year that goes by, it's going to be amplified more and more and more just because social media and Twitter just keeps growing. But when you have a player like DeAndre Hopkins who gets moved, we're going we're gonna to break down all of the trades that have happened today. We're going to break down all of the, the tags and anything that's relevant for dynasty fantasy football, pretty much for redraft fantasy football as well. Um, I, I think this year already is starting off with a huge bang because whenever you have a guy like DeAndre Hopkins who gets moved, that's, that's an elite fantasy player. You don't see that shit every day. And it's, not like some, it's not like he has had any qualms with the team. I mean, I'd imagine everyone on, on uh, Houston has qualms with Bill O'Brien, but it's nothing that we've seen kind of leak out of the locker room yet, right? So let's, let's dive right into DeAndre Hopkins uh, right after we hit the intro. All right, so we have arguably literally the worst trade I might have ever seen uh, in the history of the NFL, um, catered by arguably the worst coach slash GM that's ever stepped foot on an NFL field in Bill O'Brien. Uh, my hatred for this guy, I don't really know. At this point, it's almost getting to a personal level. I'm not really sure why. Like, I have no qualms with Houston or the Texans or anything except for except for their Week 16 performance last year that cost me, like, all my fantasy playoffs. But DeAndre Hopkins gets moved to the Arizona Cardinals. And David Johnson gets flipped for DeAndre Hopkins. They will exchange fourth-round picks, and the Texans will get a second-round pick in exchange. This is uh, – I would almost say, like, in real football terms, it's as bad as that trade would be in fantasy football terms. Yeah, yeah. there's, like, no value brought to the Houston side of this deal. They get a running back that's a good pass catcher, but Houston hasn't thrown to the running back in years. I looked at their pass percentage to the position – with Deshaun Watson there, they were sixth, second, and sixth lowest. And then he can't do anything on the ground. Carlos Hyde looked good last year, but he has so much more juice than what David Johnson had. I don't know. The Cardinals just fleeced them. They got, you know, a top two or three receiver in the NFL. That offense is going to be dangerous next year. Dude, yeah, so, I think, like, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, it's not, like, the, the trade itself, in essence, isn't, like, the concept isn't bad, right? Because trading a, an older vet and getting assets back isn't necessarily bad, but they cut back like a second round pick, which is just actually pretty insane. And I think someone said this in the Discord channel. I don't know if it's true or not, but they said that uh, Bill O'B had like some qualms and uh, some clashing with, with DeAndre Hopkins, like from a personal level. Of course, because DeAndre Hopkins is good at football and he's like, this is <laughs> what we should do. And Bill O'Brien's like, I don't know about that. And that's where the fucking qualms start. That doesn't sound like a run up the middle. Shut yeah, up. exactly. This is not first intent. So let's talk about this from a fantasy perspective. D-Hop moving out of Houston leaves a huge opening in that wide receiver core because you still have Deshaun Watson who's one of the, like, the elite up-and-coming quarterbacks for fantasy. This is – I mean, this – this I'm fucking terrified if I'm a Deshaun Watson dynasty owner. But at wide receiver, it's like Will Fuller who can't stay on the field, Kiki QT who can't stay on the field. And behind that, it's just like a Kenny bunch of Stills, nobodies. Kenny Stills who's you know, the Stills. same thing as Will Fuller. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's a bunch of guys that are like secondary and 
pretty much wide receiver three at best. And I almost feel like David Johnson might be their wide receiver one now. Where, where are we at <laughs> with be. this wide receiver group? Dude, I don't. I'm, I agree with you. Like Will Fuller's one of those guys that's just not made to be a wide receiver one, right? He's a great complimentary piece. Is really good at doing a couple, couple things, but needs someone to draw the coverage. And the other things, like, dude, they only have one second round pick, so like yeah, they're, the they're gonna have to draft someone. Do we have a? Yeah, like do, a, we have third. a, a do we have a resource that that shows all of the draft capital, Mike? I know you yeah, you tweeted yeah. out about it. Can you send tankathon? That quick? Tankathon.com. Tankathon.com. Yeah. All right, yeah, I want to see what else they have. Because we do know that this wide receiver class is super fucking deep. So, you know. They have 90th overall. They have 111th, 131st, 171st, 240th. So Where are you seeing this? Go to go to NFL. Go to NFL and then go to more and then go to draft power rankings. Okay, so for all you guys out there, tankathon.com. NFL, drop down, the more drop down. And then you could head over to draft power rankings to see everyone's picks right now i wonder if those are up to date or not they, they probably are yeah because there's two second rounders there yeah so i mean like the, the problem with this is one the problem is you just let up fucking deandre hopkins that's the problem but <laughs> the, the other problem is like even if you spend like you need wide receivers man like i can't i can't imagine yeah. they how did they look at their wide receiver group and be like this is okay this is okay for us to do this. <laughs> bill o'brien man that's all it's like you could draft three wide receivers but they have so many other holes on that defense like their secondary is yeah. horrible their offensive line is going to get deshaun watson killed like i can't imagine what they were thinking so like i mean i, I guess for fantasy we have to assume that they're going to bring in someone else through free agency or through the nfl maybe but where are we looking at Will Fuller, I guess, next year? And, and are you even touching um, the other wide receivers? Do you think any of them are like by lows for Dynasty? Me personally, no. The biggest concern with Will Fuller is he can't stay on the field because of soft tissue injuries and Hopkins going elsewhere isn't going to really change that for me. We talked about it last week. I think Amari Cooper landing there is a potential, like potentially realistic in terms of how much cap that they have and what Amari Cooper is going to demand, especially since they didn't bring him back. But as you said, right, they have – an early second, a late second, and then a bunch of crappy picks. Who are they going to realistically get out of the draft? The best guy that they can probably target is like Denzel Mims. But even then, how much is that going to help Deshaun Watson? A rookie receiver usually takes a while to, you know, grow in and build chemistry with a quarterback. So I'm not, I'm not too low on Deshaun Watson. I'm not going out and selling him. But it's definitely concerning that you lose a top three to four, whatever receiver in the entire NFL, and you're left with a bunch of speedsters when you have a coach that doesn't even want to throw the ball deep. Like, okay, yeah. so right now, uh, is he a top six fantasy quarterback next year? For just yeah. for next year. Yeah, with yeah. his legs out, yeah, I'd give that to him. I don't know if I'd even give that to him. I don't trust Bill O'Brien to like make who, that who, offense run. Who would you would you who would you put Russ and Dak over him? Or who would you and put Kyler. Over him? I would and take Kyler. Russ, I would take Dak, I would take yeah, I would take all of them over over uh, uh DeAndre Hopkins. Honestly, Hopkins. Baker at yeah. this point is looking pretty good. I, Baker, I still yeah. wouldn't. I still wouldn't take, like, uh, I mean, unless Dallas signs someone else, I, I don't think I'm going to take Dak over Watson still. And then same thing with Russ. Like, just doesn't really get the, the volume there, I don't think. Dak might, yeah, Dak might be getting too cute, but I really like that McCarthy ad. I think they're just going to keep, you know, running it really <laughs> That is I, true. I'm swear, I just think that the pass rate is going to be like 65% or so, and that's something that wasn't even close to last year, and he still put up fucking monster numbers. So yeah. I kind of like that. On the flip side, um, so yeah, I mean, you talk about like the cap space that Houston has, like, do they even have any left? Cause they're paying for all of fucking David Johnson's salary too. So Arizona got rid of David Johnson and Houston will be paying for the entire thing. So they take yeah. on this running back who was already terrible last year. Like, yes, people are going to get, ex- people like are going to talk about how good he was before he got hurt, but he was, he was a horrible running back. He just caught a lot of passes because the Arizona offense was set up to dump him the ball. And I, I do think that like, I think there's a realistic 
you know, value in David Johnson only because we saw how successful Carlos Hyde is and we see, we know how stubborn Bill O'Brien is and he will keep feeding David Johnson if he stays healthy. So there's, there's definitely a potential for like a 240 carry, like 4.2 yard per carry season or some shit like that, where he goes over like 1100 yards from scrimmage, but he's a guy that I'm, I'm, pretty much staying away from and we kind of had this discussion earlier via text like what are you comfortable uh flipping david johnson for right now if you own him or if you're on the opposite side like would you buy him if you can get him for a good value basically if you're uh, in the discord chat you could see that you can get like a 1.06 for him which i don't think is realistic but i would definitely take this people were talking about sending like early first for him that's the most fucking ignorant thing i've ever seen i know we we gotta like limit this discord entry but uh i would take easily (laughs) a second for him yeah, you know, we might have to third. do like interviews for the for the <laughs> yeah, next one. We have to screen every single in. member. <laughs> no, but on the real, we we uh we set up a Discord channel right now, and we're almost at 500 strong, and it's it's out of control. It's just people talking and sending trade reviews and uh, critiquing rosters and and joining mock drafts. If you're looking to mock draft for dynasty or rookie drafts or whatever, this is open right now. Discord is absolutely free, so you have to download the Discord app and join uh, the Big Dogs dynasty discord server which we will link down below and we'll probably pin it at the top of the comment section it's really just if if you're trying to get into a community with people who are also doing dynasty and are you know talking about the draft and rookies and and all that kind of stuff right now that is completely free for y'all so uh so go there check it out and go don't uh trade your 106 for the david johnson but yeah sorry back to the question yeah, well, I was also about to say, Bill O'Brien actually signed up for the Discord because he's trying to figure out player values, and we were helping him out, but it was a little bit too late. Oh, so you guys gave him advice, and that's what led to giving yeah. him DeAndre Hopkins? We just wanted to see Kyler Boom. I have him in too many Dynasty Leagues. All right, Mike, what's your take on the situation? Uh, so I think that uh, David Johnson's worth like a throw-in, right, for if you're a contender. If you're a contending team, you want to give like a late second for him. I'm fine with that because at the end of the day, like Carlos Hyde vacated like 20, 240-something carries, so... I mean, it's volume is king for running backs, and we know David Johnson can add a little bit in the receiving side. Unfortunately, he overlaps with Duke Johnson a bit there, but I'd say he could probably do more or at least as much as what Carlos Hyde did last year. So to me, that's worth like a second if you're contending. Yeah, and I guess that D-Hop's now gone. They will have to send those targets elsewhere, so it's possible. Mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I just don't trust Bill O'Brien. Like, he had Duke Johnson there, and he didn't get him involved in the passing game enough. So, like, why do we assume that that's going to happen with David Johnson? I don't. So the best case scenario is that he ends up as probably like a low end RB two for next year, just based on um, based on the rushing volume. So we have D Hop over to Arizona. Now this shakes things up a lot. I mean, this makes obviously Kyler a top five, uh, if not like top three dynasty quarterback. And redraft, I think it's probably the same. What what I really love about this whole situation is like we see this time and again: new OCs, new head coaches, the ones that are the actual play callers. Their system always takes one year to really hit its stride. Like the first year, you could see glimpses, and we definitely saw it at, at, at Arizona last year. But almost historically, and I want to do a deep dive into this, I'm going to do some research like after this video where I'm looking at last five, 10 years and new play callers that come into the system and how much better the second year was. And, you know, just off the top of my head, you could think of like the Kyle Shanahan's. You could think of all of those types of offenses that average way more points per game the second year because the players are acquainted to it. They're way more comfortable. And I think that's what we're going to see with Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona. Problem is, like, they have a lot of good playmakers there already, right? They they threw the tag onto Drake, which we'll talk about in a minute. But now they have D Hop, they have Christian Kirk, um, they have I don't know all the other names are eluding me right now because Larry, Larry, Larry Legend is coming Andy back. Isabella. Yeah. So so the question becomes like DeAndre Hopkins had sort of a down year last year, right? Like his numbers were I think he caught 104 passes, but he didn't do much with them. So my question to you guys is this: uh, fantasy wise, right? Just whatever the fantasy points equate to. 
do you think he has a better or a worse year in Arizona this year? 104 catches, 1,165 yards, seven touchdowns. Do you think he's north or south of that? I think he's probably around similar on the catch side, mm-hmm. but like probably more, I mean, I'm assuming more touchdowns. If we remember last year, like his dot plummeted, right? From last year to the year before, he dropped like three yards almost per it was target. 10.5 last year. I believe it was 13.6 the year prior. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's almost three yards per target. So I think you'd think that in a more vertical passing attack where you can kind of like, you can have Kirk, you can have Isabella and then you can have Nuke work all the intermediate and all the, all the short routes. I think they'll get probably the volume. But the other thing is like when wide receivers transfer teams, just like how you said for uh, play callers, it takes them a year to develop, right? You have a new system, new quarterback, like everything down to like, the spiral of the ball that Kyler throws, like they're going to practice on all that stuff. Like even like OBJ, right. Who we all think is a generational talent went over to Baker and completely flop flop. So like I'm tempering expectations for, for Hopkins. I don't think his value is higher than what he is now. If anything, I think it'd be a little bit lower, but not that much. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for maybe me, 28 in a second. Sorry. This just seems like uh, a Kyler thing. It just seems like Kyler stonks yeah. are fucking through the roof <laughs> while all the other stonks are going down. Kyler Kyler is keeping wall street afloat by himself. Yeah, I agree with both of those sentiments. You look at his DeAndre Hopkins red zone usage last year, and it was terrible. He had 13 red zone targets as opposed to 24 the year prior, so he wasn't being used heavily in that part of the game at all. I could see the volume being similar because we've seen Larry Fitzgerald command over 100 targets basically every single year he's been alive. So I think he's going to overtake that role easily, get you know, 130, 40, 150 targets. Uh, I, but as you said, Mike, it takes long for these receivers to really grow chemistry with these quarterbacks. The most recent example I could remember of a wide receiver not really being heavily impacted is Amari Cooper but even then he was kind of off and on these past this past year and a half so overall I think the volume's gonna be the same if anything goes up I think it's touchdowns because we saw last year even though the Cardinals were in their first year with this new scheme and a new quarterback they were still moving the ball pretty well they were 16th in red zone drives per game but they were 29th in red zone touchdown percentage so if that number goes up a little bit Cliff Kingsbury stops deciding to kick field goals from the two-yard line. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, that number is going to increase. And, you know, for Hopkins, down the road, dynasty value, he's still, you know, a top three dynasty asset because he is tethered to a young elite wide receiver in an offense that wants to throw the ball with an offensive mind that, you know, isn't like Bill O'Brien, isn't probably going to use him, you know, four or five yards down the field every single play. Yeah, it might just be as simple as, like, Kyler's about to enter his prime. He's a beast. DeAndre Hopkins – is a beast and he's in the middle of his prime but you know with fantasy we always need to like dive into these numbers and make it way more difficult than it usually needs to be but I do think it might take a year for them to really hit that like elite step and by that time D hops almost you know 29 and he's entering mm-hmm. that age where it's like eh, do I start to look to move him or not but this this obviously uh is great for the Arizona Cardinals overall this is great for Kyler um Christian Kirk now is someone that you know everyone's kind of been hyping up for the last couple of years as a premier breakout candidate i almost feel like i'm not gonna say this is good for him because it would have been nice to see him like what he could do as like an alpha if he could stay on the field which i don't know if he was necessarily built to be an alpha but with d hop on the opposite side the other thing with d hop too is d hop saw like eight catchable deep balls last year like you guys <laughs> brought up the the depth of throw was, was i actually that? looked it up larry fitzgerald had one less deep reception yeah. than deandre hopkins last year <laughs> yeah i saw that he had six he had six deep targets and all of them were uh were on point like they were all accurate to Larry Fitz and he, he brought in all of them so it's like if Dehab can see a little bit of an increase in those throws down the field which was exactly what was missing you know that's why he has 1165 yards if he caught like three or four more deep balls we're looking at 1300 and we're not really too nervous about a guy like Dehab so with Kyler there with that fucking arm I can't imagine that they don't you know start to look for more plays like that because they have the guys like Kirk running underneath but it brings to the point like Christian Kirk 
now he was someone that was maybe flirting with that like sixth or seventh round dynasty startup ADP where you're like, you know, he's on the precipice of breaking out. You kind of have to cool the jets there. Right. Or you like, this might be a good thing for him. Uh, I actually, so I've never viewed Christian Kirk as like a true one. Um, like, so that's why like when people said like, they're going to draft lamb, I was like, okay, I think that's fine because there's enough volume there for them to take it. I think it's like, you know, he's another one of those guys where he can be like a perennial wide receiver too for your team. And so if this means that you can buy him for a lot cheaper now, I'm actually cool with it. Cause I think this might push his price into like that very late first to early second price range. That's how I feel too. I mean, in, in Houston, would flip, we saw, let me, I'm sorry, let me interrupt. You would flip a late first for Christian Kirk right now. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's only like three or four wide receivers. I would take over Kirk. Anyways. Yeah. I think I'd probably agree with you there. Yeah. I was about to say like in Houston, we saw a second receiver produce when he was on the field there and we see across the league, basically everywhere, like a Tyler Boyd, we expect their production to go up so much higher when an alpha receiver goes down. That just doesn't happen. Michael Gallup, too, we dove into the numbers the last week or a few weeks ago. He was so much better when Amari Cooper was on the field that, sure, his volume may go down, but I think this offense's efficiency increasing. And, you know, his targets are still going to be, I think, around like six to seven a game, which is all you really need running out of the slot when a lot of them are going to be accurate. Uh, more red zone trips mean more touchdowns. He's not going to score, you know, two to three touchdowns a season anymore. So, I don't think he has a ceiling that we may have thought he had a few weeks ago, but as a top 24 perennial receiver, as Mike was alluding to, like I'll definitely take that for a late first. People are probably going to sell him for an early second because the common belief was that they were going to invest their first round pick in a CD lamb. They basically just got CD lamb ceiling. So his price is going to fall much more than if CD lamb was taken there. So yeah, he's somebody I'm probably trying to buy in on whether it's in your startup draft or, you know, through rookie picks. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I think if you can get him at that value, then he's probably someone to start to target. Staying within Arizona, they move DJ, which leaves the backfield open for someone to produce. Now, looking at some numbers from my boy. Champagne Poppy. Yeah, he's coming, baby. Kenyon, Kenyon Drake season is upon us. Uh, Adam Fiverr tweeted this out. Kenyon Drake from week nine on last year, seventh in rushing yards, fifth in 100-yard games, third in rushing touchdowns, fourth in overall fantasy points. So he was a legit RB1 over the second half of the season. Now Chase Edmonds was banged up for the majority of the year. David Johnson was. But do we think that – okay, let, well, let's break down the, the situation here. They, they threw a transition tag on him, and that will pay him $8.5 million. I'm not exactly sure what the money behind it is, if it's the average of the top 10 uh, salary from the position. What that means is uh, a team can offer him a contract – but obviously it's going to have to be pretty hefty because he's getting paid eight and a half million this year. So it's probably going to need to be in the two to three year range for like 25, 30 million or something like that. Um, and if that happens, Arizona has the chance to match it. So unless someone really loves Drake, he's very likely staying in Arizona for this upcoming season. Now with Chase Edmonds going to be at full strength coming into the year. And just the fact that Cliff seems like he might want to use a running back by committee, or maybe he doesn't, I'm not really sure, you know, what the, the historical, um, schemes are for him in terms of when all of his running backs are healthy it, it, it can I think the range of outcomes here for this backfield is pretty wild right now they might come out of the draft with the with another running back and go with three heads back there Chase Edmonds is a very good back when he's healthy so where do you guys see this split Mike I know you're a big fan of Kenyon Drake and I, I mean DJ out of the picture and Kenyon Drake there you know on a pretty fat contract seems like all the numbers are kind of lining up for you right yeah, no, definitely is. I think that, you know, even last year when DJ was healthy, Cliff basically kicked him to the bench and said, yo, you're riding the bench because Drake's better than you. Mm -hmm. um, so I think like he kind of won that lead role for me. And I think Edmonds will kind of be involved a little bit as that change of pace, you know, third down back because he's pretty electric. But Kenyon Drake was like 16 game pace. He was on pace for 300 plus touches. So that was workhorse volumes. And in his career, 
whenever he's had 14 or more touches a game, he's been a top 10 running back. And last year, for the final, I think, like, four, three or four weeks, he was, like, a top three running back. So I think he's absolutely showed his ceiling. And he's 26 with pretty low wear and tear. So if I'm a contending team, like I've been saying, to try and buy him before something like this happens. But I think now it'll be a little bit more expensive. Um, but it's still worth it for a proven back with that kind of volume in an electric offense. Yeah, and speaking to the whether Mr. God <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury <laughs> uses a workhorse or not, in the first six weeks when David Johnson was healthy, he played over 70% of the snaps in yeah. four of six games. And when Kenyon Drake was there, he played over 70% of the snaps in all but two games. So I think – like obviously Chase Edmonds was hurt and David Johnson was a shell of himself, but I think Cliff Kingsbury with what he saw out of Kenyon Drake, and he played really tough competition too, right? He played the Rams twice. He played San Francisco twice. He played Tampa. He played Pittsburgh. What he saw out of Kenyon Drake is somebody who could really do it all for that offense. So I think he's going to at least next year return RB1 value. After that, I'm not so sure. I don't, I think that they leave this draft with at least, you know, a running back or through free agency. They sign another guy that's cheap. Uh, Long-term value. I'm not so sure, but if you're a contending team, like Mike said, just, I'm fine buying him because there aren't many opportunities that you can get to buy, you know, a legit RB1 that has receiving upside that gives you a floor and touchdown upside as a workhorse back. What about in startup drafts? Because a lot of our audience is going to be making the transition over from redraft to startups. And, you know, there are so many shiny objects when it comes to running backs in Dynasty. And for the most part, you kind of have to look past them. I think outside of like the top five or six elite backs that are going to be staples for, you know, five years or so, Mm -hmm. Almost all running backs are interchangeable because new running, new rookie running backs tend to pop out every single year. So a guy like Kenyon Drake, who's 26 years old, but might be, you know, a shiny object in dynasty startup drafts, like, yeah, he's going to be real good for this year. Those are the guys that I kind of tend to stay away from unless you've already built your team around it where like you have such great value at other positions that you know that a one year rental for Kenyon Drake is worth the draft capital you're going to pay. So in terms of startup, um, I'm assuming you, you guys probably like him a little bit less. Mike, maybe you maybe you think he's there for the long term. Yeah, so like I said, that's why I said you have to be a contender. Like if you're, you know, kind of that middle of the road rebuilding team, you're not mm -hmm. going to invest in the running backs. I totally agree with you. You're going to want to basically tank your team to try and get a top pick for running back. But if you're a contending team, chances are you're not going to be like a top five pick anyway. So you're not really going to land one of those coveted running backs. So to get that type of volume, I think it's, I mean, I think, I think it's pretty good. In terms of his ADP, um, obviously not updated for today, but he's still going, he was still going in like that, you know, late running back two range yeah. uh, in startups. So that's obviously incredible value. I mean, like to give you an example, like David Montgomery, Le'Veon Bell, Carrion Johnson, Singletary, Gurley, they're all going above him. So those are like some guys that I would definitely prefer Drake over just given the upside that he's shown. But I think in that middle, middle to back half of the running back two range, like RB 15 to like RB 18 is probably where I'd be targeting Drake. Yeah, that makes sense. Given the instant production, you'll probably be able to give your team. I, I feel like I tend to go with someone who's maybe like three or four years younger that's possibly in like the rookie class. But um, I think it's, again, every startup and every dynasty team is going to be so different, varying from the league and varying from like where you're set up right now. Yeah, my startup strategy is probably kind of stupid. If I don't get one of those top five or six guys that just take shots or like pass catching running backs that I know can it'll either – the guys that take shots on can either give me upside a few years down the road or pass catching backs that give me a decent enough floor. Like this past year, I missed out on everybody. So I just took Tariq Cohen, like James White, and I also took Austin Eckler, which worked out pretty well. Nice. That also sets you up next for next year because your team's going to suck and you're going to have a high pick. So yeah, <laughs> he's somebody though that like, if he's going around that James Conner range, give me Kenyon Drake, even if it's just one year production, I'd rather trust that than 
you know, four or five games out of James Conner every single year. Oh, yeah. I would take Drake over Conner in, in a fucking heartbeat. At this point, I don't think Steel, the Steelers Drake get away from the David Drake. Montgomery. Drake. Yeah, that's exactly where he's at right that. now. So Montgomery's yeah. above him. But what about Kenyon Drake or uh, Clyde Edwards Alaire? Because they're re- they're literally back to back right now. I'll take Drake. dependent on landing spot. I'd probably take Edwards Alaire if he goes to like Atlanta, which is, you know, common I mean, sentiment. Fucking, but... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what, if, what, if, what if he goes to KC, bro? Could you take him there too? I've actually heard saying. every every running back in this class is going to Kansas City. <laughs> yeah, except none of them are. It's a Dame season, baby. I know it's gonna be beautiful. Dame, yeah, Dame resigns. They picked up his contract. So again, I'm all aboard like going back to the well on Damian Williams. He's gonna be much cheaper this year. Like it, it, he wasn't if had he came out and he was a bad football player last year, I would be like, I'm I'm good. He's like 28 and he just showed us that he's bad and his good years are behind him. Every time he stepped on the field. The guy was good. He makes big plays. He catches the ball. Like they trust him, obviously, for them to pick the option. The, uh, yeah, but but Nick, but Nick, if you take away all of his big runs, he's not as good. I've I've heard that. I've heard that if you take away his seventy yard run, his sixty yard catch, and his fifty yard run, then his yards per carry is probably still like five point eight. Honestly, we can only use that argument for Derrick Henry. That's the only argument that we accept around here. It's a real fucking argument. Speaking of Derrick Henry, uh, Derrick Henry will be back with the Titans. He got the franchise tag, right? Yep. Yeah. So D. Henry back. Um, I guess we won't really get into the guys that you know haven't really moved places. I think we'll we'll touch on. Tannehill. I guess wait. Did he get confirmed? Did he get confirmed? I thought it was just basically assumed because they can't. They uh, they already signed Ryan Tannehill. Um, I'm not sure if it was officially announced. We'll confirm it here. The franchise tag on Derrick Henry. Yeah. Oh, confirmed. nice. Okay. Um, and then Ryan Tannehill got a fat contract for four years, so he will be staying there, which quells all the rumors about Tom Brady to Tennessee and those kind of things just just make you like sit back and laugh about how Twitter just goes nuts for weeks and months on end with all these like like the fucking video of Tom Brady on a FaceTime with Mike Brabel and they're like it's fucking confirmed he's looking at schools in Tennessee <laughs> like a day later Ryan Tannehill here's 150 million fucking dollars so Tannehill's there for four years so if you're one of those people that uh, were in a startup draft last year and end up getting Tannehill in like the 18th round or some shit super flex Ooh, you are sitting pretty, man. That That's the, the great thing about the Superflex Dynasty Leagues. It's like you never know where you're getting your quarterback production from, man. You get like four or five guys on the roster, and you're kind of just like throwing Band-Aids on a fucking sinking ship at some, at some point. You know what I mean? Like that's what you got to do to get through the season. Tannehill happened to be a very, very, very fucking big permanent Band-Aid. So, uh, Tannehill, let's, let's talk about his Dynasty prospect. Are you a believer in him as an actual passer? Is he a long-term guy? I yeah, am you- a believer. I was about to say, he wasn't even that bad in Miami when he was there. His touchdown percentage has always been pretty decent. And that was with Adam Gase there. And that was basically with having, like, Jarvis Landry, who isn't known as, like, a great efficient receiver, and, like, Devontae Parker for five games a season. So I think with the roster that they're building up around him, with A.J. Brown, with Jonu Smith and the ability to build on top of that, uh, Corey Davis, I'm not sure anybody can save him like you've been saying, Mike. But uh, I think what he that, showed – That Watkins-Corey Davis fucking one-for-one swap would honestly <laughs> – it would probably just end both of their careers. Yeah, they probably just, I was about to say, they're just going to both retire. But yeah. what we saw out of him last year is just the efficiency that he sh- he showed despite not throwing a ton. If he sees like five more pass attempts a game, you know, the sky's the limit for him. His efficiency can drop and he can still maintain a similar uh, output for fantasy purposes. On top of that, he wasn't even running all too much, and we know that's a part of his game that he has in his bag. So yeah, that could obviously The problem is, his... though, like, we could project him to get five more pass times a game, but their fucking game plan was flawless with Derrick Henry. Like, why would they give him that if they're just going to ride Derrick Henry into the fucking dirt, into his coffin? Derrick Henry sucks. That's what I might <laughs> hold out. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. You you actually think that's a possibility? I think so. I mean, the dude just came off rushing champion. Like, I mean, he's going to want his money. And he's going to – I mean, 
the entire Twitterverse is saying that Derrick Henry got them to the playoffs, right? So, you know, that's good, yeah. definitely going up in his head. Yeah, the team was really good when Marcus Mariota was under center. <laughs> I, I think that, like, Derrick Henry's polarizing enough that some NFL GM would, like, would – Try to take him if he does. Bill O'Brien, I heard you just put out a phone call right now. (laughs) Bill O'Brien's gonna go like Deshaun Watson for Derrick Henry straight up. It's like let's just swap game plans. You saw that passing touchdown in the playoffs and he was bought in. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we've got a lot of moves going on actually. Let's talk some tight ends. We had Austin Hooper, who was probably uh, the highest kind of profile guy. Maybe Hunter Henry could be up there, but Austin Hooper's coming out. Uh, of a big breakout year with the Atlanta Falcons. He moves over to Cleveland. Cleveland's making moves left and right. They signed uh, Conklin over from the Titans, which shores up huge. their offensive line, which is which was a huge problem for them. Yeah, so that's um, everything's going in the right direction for Cleveland right now. They got Jack Conklin, signed Austin Hooper to four years, $44 million. So I tweeted this out earlier, and I was looking at some numbers where uh, Cleveland hasn't necessarily targeted – tight ends too much right since baker took over in 2018 after week three they've targeted the tight end on 16.3 percent of their passes which over that span is the eighth lowest rate in the nfl you also have to look at the fact that hooper is moving i don't think anyone can argue this like his his best fantasy ceiling was going to be staying in atlanta he's moving Mm -hmm. over from atlanta where they have Dirk cutter who's one of the highest passing volume ocs the league's probably ever seen to Stefanski as a new head coach in Cleveland who only wants to run the ball. So they bring in Conklin, who is a dynamite run blocker. He's, he's the elite run blocking. Yeah, sixth right? ranked tackle. In yeah, terms so, of run so you know what their game plan is going to be. The, uh, this, you know, not only kind of cools the, the hype train on uh, David Njoku breakout, if that was ever going to come, but like I think it, I don't want to say it kills Austin Hooper because he's still young and he just had a very, very productive year. So I think he'll still be in that tight end one mix, but all the signs kind of point towards – Austin Hooper having, you know, maybe too much hype going into a new offense? Or, again, is it as simple as, like, Austin Hooper is actually pretty good and with a Baker Mayfield bounce back, you know, he'll be another top uh, option here? Uh, I, I agree with you, man. Like, there was no better spot for Austin Hooper than Falcons. And, in fact, when he was going to test the free agent market, I was already on the selling wagon because I didn't see any landing spot that would actually increase his value or even retain his value. And, like, now he's going to play, what, third fiddle to – Landry and OBJ and compete with Kareem Hunt for that third wheel in a run heavy offense and you know you brought up the Cleveland market share so that's obviously tied to Baker it's really low if you look at Stefanski's like target shares to tight ends I think it was like 22% last year but again that's 22% of a much smaller pie right so you're 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 getting a lesser of the pie so he's not going to get as much volume as he did in in Atlanta so I mean I'm I'm personally out. And you, like you said, he'll still be a tight end one, but honestly, who cares, right? If you're not, if you're not a top three or four tight end, it yeah. really doesn't matter. I can't stand when people are like, oh, he finishes like tight end 10. And I'm like, so he didn't help you whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, so did Jacob Hollister. How many games did he start him? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I fuck with Jacob Hollister. <laughs> I like Jacob. Yeah, uh, Mike, building off what you said, they actually had the ninth highest pass percentage to the tight end. But we remember what happened last year in Minnesota. Adam Thielen played like five games. They had nobody yeah. other than Stefan Diggs. So it was more necessity mm-hmm. than anything. Like Kyle Rudolph wasn't really deserving of any type of targets. Um, if this impacts anybody on Cleveland the most, I would think it's got to be Jarvis Landry, right? He's never played with another receiving weapon that is occupying, occupying the same area of the field as him. His ADOT last year was around 10. Hooper's was at 6.5, which is obviously a lot lower, but I'm going to put the splits Hooper's on the screen. was 6.5. Yeah, it was like super low. He's basically a fullback. <laughs> but if we put on the splits on the screen with Jarvis Landry and David Njoku these past two years, He's basically averaging two more fantasy points a game with or without uh, David Njoku on the field. 
basically everything goes down by one uh, for receptions, targets, the yards go down by 12. I think the touchdowns, the full season pace goes from four to seven. So overall, I mean, obviously everybody's probably going to take a step back because Stefanski doesn't want to throw all too much. Uh, that piece of the pie, like Mike was saying, gets smaller. And now that they add another mouth to feed, nobody's volume is going to stay the same as it was last year. They bring back Kareem Hunt. Obviously that hurts Nick Chubb's receiving upside. So I think, you know, this move isn't really good for anybody in terms of fantasy other than maybe Baker Mayfield because he has more options to throw to. But I think in real life, this offense should be fun to watch if he doesn't, you know, fancy he doesn't pull a Freddie Kitchens, just like blow everything up. <laughs> yeah, I think like Cooper's still like his range of outcomes, I think is how you need to look at it. And it diminishes a lot of the ceiling that he had. But I still think he probably has like a, you know, 55, 600. And maybe like if he gets lucky somewhere from like the seven to nine touchdown range in him, which is definitely a possibility, which will, you know, which will definitely take in as a fantasy tight end. So he's not someone that's going to be off my draft board just because we're kind of pushing the numbers uh, that way. But it definitely, you know, it hurts leaving Atlanta where he's starting to get comfortable with the system and um, had that kind of breakout coming. Now Atlanta gets rid of Hooper. We're just fucking cleaning house, but we didn't clean like the only problem that we needed to <laughs> out of the fucking house. We left the mice in the house, and that is Dirk Cutter and Dan Quinn. So we get rid of Freeman, thank God. I'm, I'm okay with that. It's so hard to be a Falcons fan, man. It really is. We get rid of Hooper. You're preaching the choir, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. As a Chargers fan, hey, y'all might get Stephon. I can't relate. We get rid of uh, shut up. <laughs> You're a fucking Patriots fan from Canada. This is nonsense. Um, we get rid of True Font. So we're like clearing house right now. We decided to send our second and our fifth round. My problem with the Falcons is we have so many spots to fucking fill, and then we go and let Hooper Hayden go, Hurst. and then we get Hayden Hurst and give away a second and a fifth for him. So Wait, where they the give fuck? up a second for him? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I didn't even see that. Like, who That's are we ridiculous. gonna pick? So, so from from a real life standpoint, like this shit made me want to throw up. Like that tweet I put out with the gif of the guy just puking on himself <laughs> was really how I was feeling inside at the time. But I'll tell you what, I don't hate this move for fantasy. I think Hayden Hurst. I think what's gonna happen is everyone's gonna shit on it, and then within a month, everyone's gonna be like, you know what? I kind of like Hayden Hurst. I think he's a really good sleeper. <laughs> if you look at Hurst and Austin Hooper's profiles, they're the exact same player. Mm -hmm. There's nothing different about them except for Hayden Hurst had to compete with Mark Andrews. Like, yes. He, he was the first round pick and he should have been the guy that blew up. But I mean, the guy is still very good athletically sub four, seven, 40 yard dash, really good speed score, six, five, 250 pounds. He didn't produce much of college, but like most tight ends don't really competition do it. too. Debo Samuel, Brian Edwards. Yeah, exactly. So it's like a lot of those numbers can put into context when it comes to tight ends. Hayden Hurst, I think, is going to fit into the system and, and be fine, to be honest. And, and like, they're the same type of player where they catch the ball and fall down. It just so happened that Austin Hooper, got so many targets last year so that number started to kind of pile up but if you look at pff i mean who was the number seven graded tight end last year um in in receiving grades that was like hayden hurst. hayden hurst no it was hooper but hayden hurst, <laughs> hayden hurst was number eight right they, okay. hayden hurst was number eight right behind him and he had better yards after contact numbers he had better yards per reception numbers like they're just a very similar player and i don't think the drop off is going to be I, I think you'll be able to get Hayden Hurst will give you like 75 or 80% of what Austin Hooper will this year, if not more. Yeah, and Hayden Hurst is a blocker, so he's going he's gonna to probably be on the field a lot more as well. Yeah, Atlanta made Jacob Tammy like a reliable <laughs> fantasy option one season, so I don't doubt that they can get him the ball a few times. And on top of that, they had like Austin Hooper, they had Mohamed Sanu, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones. They were all producing decently well. So I think, you know, having three mouths to feed in Hayden Hurst being the third one, uh, I don't think that you should just write him off for fantasy next year. Is he going to be somebody that you pick in like single digit rounds? No, not at all. But he's going to be like a tight end streamer that I maybe will. gives you <laughs> a little homer pick, but he's, yeah, he's going to be somebody that gives you, you know, valuable weeks here and there. There will Rest be a point. Jaden Graham.
there will be a point <laughs> there will be a point in this year where I'm wearing a Hayden Hurst Falcons jersey <laughs> during a video. <laughs> no, but Hurst, I mean the, the thing the same point that we made with Austin Hooper is is the contrary now. He goes over from the most run heavy team in the NFL where he's competing behind arguably the best tight end in the, in the NFL or top three to the Falcons where they have so many open targets at the position and Dirk Cutter throws the ball at 67, 68%. And that's going to continue to remain the same because you can't fucking run the ball and their defense sucks. So it's like the only option they have is to chuck the ball to Ridley, chuck the ball to Julio, chuck the ball to Hayden Hurst. So Hayden Hurst, tight end one. You heard it here, baby. Let's go. The next Darren Waller. Hey, I'm not mad about that. Waller's way better than <laughs> Hayden Hurst, so I'm not really about to put that out into the atmosphere. What else have we got going on? Any uh, big signings? Dallas re-signed Blake Jarwin for three years and for whatever the fuck it was. So that 24 means we million. Need to, we need to keep years. hearing like fake news breakout reports of fucking Blake Jarwin <laughs> for the next three years, which are never going to happen. Um, O-line. Why don't you guys break down some O-line shits because I haven't been paying attention to that. Uh, so we got Joe uh, Thuny, Thuny. I don't even know how to say his name, but uh, fake he Pats was... fan, fake Pats fan. <laughs> yeah, dude, dude. I just—they're all the same to me, man. Like Skarnecki is the is the legend at Patriots for the O line. Um, so he got franchise tag, which is pretty big news for the Patriots because the O line already was kind of struggling. So you know he was going to be one of the top guys hitting the free agent market. So good to see them lock him down. That'll be good for no one that we really care about because Michelle's been absolute. <laughs> absolute trash <laughs> so let me ask uh, you though if, if if tom brady doesn't resign with the patriots is just everything done does any of this matter if tom brady doesn't resign the patriots i mean yes. i guess it, i guess it depends who they get right i mean i would i would love to see jalen hurts go to the patriots that would that would make my patriots fandom continue Belichick would retire it would certainly <laughs> yeah belichick would be like what the fuck is this <laughs> it would belichick certainly would make uh, the choice though yeah, we're on to retirement interesting i think um you see, there's a lot of rumors going around with the quarterbacks right now. We have Phil, Philly uh, or Philip Rivers, sorry, I should say, uh, Philip Rivers going to the Indy Colts is a very strong possibility. Supposedly, Tom Brady's choices are down to Tampa Bay and New England, and uh, Teddy Bridgewater possible to Chicago. We don't really know. I've heard that like they're making their priority to go after like Andy Dalton anytime <laughs> that. Andy Dalton being a priority of yours is in the running. Like you're fucking, you were like a 12 and 14 two years ago. Now Andy Dalton is your fucking savior. You got problems. So quarterback situation is still pretty fucked. Uh, the Browns did sign Case Keenum to a three year, 18 million. I really don't hate that investment to be honest with you, because you don't find like very solid backup quarterbacks very often. And we see year over year, man, we've seen a lot of quarterback injuries over the last couple of years. And the teams that don't have a solid backup behind them, they go to shit so quickly. But if you have a good backup like Case Keenum and your team can, you know, the Browns have the potential to like carry a quarterback that's average or below average because the weapons are so good. If they can get that pass rush up and going again, like they they can put together a stretch where if Baker gets hurt for four or five weeks, Case Keenum can string together three or four wins in that in that span. So I, I actually really like that for them. Do you yeah, think I this agree. means anything for Washington that they didn't bring back their backup? Um, it means Haskins going to be a backup. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't Alex know. Smith stonks. I'm, I'm very much on the uh, in the belief that Dwayne Haskins is the Redskins starter without a doubt for the next 16 games of the, the Redskins schedule that's how I feel too I mean he's put in a terrible situation last year his number one receiver was like a third round pick and he had nothing behind him other than Paul Richardson who's making like 10 million a year which makes zero sense to me yeah you saw Rob Ryan Rob Ryan like the quotes that he was that he put out after he got like fired no I didn't see it he was like Dwayne Haskins was not ready to be an NFL quarterback last year. He's like the kid tried really hard and he improved week over week, but we threw him into the fire and he was not an NFL quarterback. I was like, bitch, like you're not an NFL coordinator. Like, you're the one that just got fired. <laughs> Who are you talking to? Yeah. So we got 
Um, some quarterback stuff that we still need to hammer down because there's a lot still left on the table. Of course, Kareem Hunt gets that second round tender. Wait, so, hold on. Before, before we move on quarterbacks, uh, I just want to cover the massive bait that the, you want to talk about Taysom the, Hill. The bait of the century put out by the Saints and they put a first round tender on Taysom Hill. <laughs> so tell the people what that means. Uh, the only tenders we acknowledge are chicken tenders on this channel. <laughs> Uh, basically means that Taysom Hill is going to be staying the New Orleans Saints because uh, nobody's going to be giving up that type of draft capital to uh, to get Taysom Hill because he's not a real quarterback. Uh, so a team would to have to league. so a team would have to give the Saints a first round pick in order to <laughs> yeah. get Taysom Hill back. You're saying, yeah, that's so, ridiculous. Yeah. So so nobody's going to do that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's uh, sounds like a, sounds like a big fact. Kareem Hunt, <laughs> second round tender, so a team would have to give up a second round pick. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to see that either. When you have backs in this draft, you can get in the second round that are just as high quality, if not higher, and uh, are three or four years younger. So, Cream Hunt coming back. Uh, I'm still, like, really on board with Nick Chubb as a first-round redraft pick this year because, one, as you can see, they improved their offensive line with Conklin coming on, who's a great run-blocking guy. Um, also, Stefanski coming on. We saw him ride Dalvin Cook, right? I can see this being a backfield where they're splitting 30 touches a game, right? And Chubb's getting 20 and Cream Hunt's getting 10. Both of them can fucking eat. And uh, Stavansky, actually, the, the Minnesota running backs last year produced the single most yards off of running back screens. So not only are they running the ball a lot, but they're passing to their running backs in space a lot. And a screen, uh, screen passes for Nick Chubb, kind of like what we see with Derrick Henry. Just, like, get him the ball in the backfield, and if he gets that open lane, like, he gone. You know, Chubb's got that speed. So um, I'm, I'm here for the Chubb, even with Kareem Hunt coming back to Cleveland, most likely, unless we see something change in a couple of days. Like, I'm, you guys on board with Nick Chubb there? Hell yeah. 100%. Yeah, the only reason – or, I mean, the only thing that Kareem Hunt really does to Nick Chubb's production is take away receiving ability. But, as you said, last year the Minnesota Vikings targeted the running back position 28% of the time, which is the third highest. Now Stefanski's over here. That's going to be beautiful. And on top of that, you're not really buying Nick Chubb to be a pass catcher. What he gives you on the ground is awesome. I mean, his splits with and without Kareem Hunt on the field last year, he averaged one less rush attempt per game when uh, Kareem Hunt was playing, but he was still giving you 86.4 rushing yards a game. His touchdowns did take a dip, but as Nick said, with Jack Conklin going in there, hopefully that offensive line is shored up, and there isn't going to be another situation where he runs into the back of his offensive lineman four plays in a row. There's a PI, then they get four more, and he still gets stuffed. Bro, uh, he had he went like two for 15 on goal line runs last year. He had like a one drive last year where he went 0 for 6. It was ridiculous. I'm starting to question if he's just horrible in short yardage or if he's actually just super unlucky. Because if, no. if the latter is the case, then Nick Chubb is going to end up getting 300 and 300 plus touches and score like 12 touchdowns next year. Dude, if you just compare his rookie red zone conversion to his sophomore red zone conversion, like it, it's very evident that it's not a ability or talent problem. It was literally Freddie Kitchens lining up goal line package, eye formation, with a worse O-line than the opposing team, just pounding it four times. Like, that's so all you're saying if Nick Chubb went to Houston, we'd have a problem. <laughs> yes, Houston, we would have a fucking God, problem. I'm a fucking good podcaster. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, who else do we got to talk about? Anyone? Huge move. Broncos signed Graham Glasgow. He was formerly of the Detroit Lions. So the Tro- Detroit Lions offensive line was shit. It's probably even worse now. The Broncos did have a few free agents. I guess this shores it up a little bit. They had a decent offensive line. I'm not too sure how good Graham Glasgow is, but, you know, it's definitely good for the Broncos and bad for Detroit. Yeah, I feel like Detroit spent, like, five years building up their line, just using first and second round picks on them, and just, like, nothing came of it. They had, like, yeah. so many big-name guys, like, two years ago, like Frank Ragnow, Graham Glasgow. Uh, but then they have, like, Ricky Wagner. 
Yeah, I was convinced they were about to be like the next fucking Dallas Cowboys. And then everyone <laughs> I remember just, like PFF died. had them ranked as like, you know, top, like almost like top five or at least top 10, like a couple years ago. For yeah, no, they, they were good. They were good. But I just feel like, I don't know, maybe it was a bit of unluckiness because they, they did have a lot of injuries up front, but it seems like it's starting to crumble a little bit. So, yeah, um, we have that signing. Anything else up to date right now? No, I think uh, that's I all, that. but we got to be on the lookout for Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs' Twitter is like probably the best NFL beat reporter around. So you guys just follow nah, him. Chase Edmonds. Follow, follow the tw- oh, yeah, Chase like, Edmonds. You know what's weird about Diggs, man? Diggs like makes me nervous for a whole group of, of wide receivers because like you could buy so heavily into a guy like Diggs and all the signs are there that he's eventually going to be elite and then it just doesn't happen. And then you have four <laughs> straight like 1,100-yard seasons. Like I feel like yeah. there's a lot of guys that are eventually going to go down that path where you're just like – you're paying like wide receiver seven overall price, but they just continually put up wide receiver 15, wide receiver 15, wide receiver 13, wide receiver 17. It's just like, fuck. Like you're somehow Stefan Diggs in my, in my mind is still like 22 years old. And you're like, no, you're good. <laughs> but like, you know, at what point is it? Like what happens if like DJ Moore puts up 1150 yards this year? You know what I mean? Like what if he doesn't yeah. take that net step forward? And then everyone who's just like, yep, he's that top five asset. It's just like Diggs has like planted that seed in my mind where I'm kind of nervous, where it's not like it's so nonlinear anymore for guys like, but I think it's maybe like a build, maybe not a build thing, but when you're not that prototypical alpha, like I, maybe NFL offenses still have a little bit of stigma of making you that guy. I don't know. Just kind of, yeah, I mean, out here. I'd say that like, but Diggs has kind of shown that he's that alpha, right? But they just have, they just don't have the volume for him, um, at least in how they use him. Maybe it doesn't show up in fantasy, but like for guys like Moore, I totally see what you're saying though. Like my expectation for Moore is actually just, he's going to be a perennial, like, low and low to mid wide receiver for a long long time like i don't i don't know yeah. if he's ever going to hit that like top three wide receiver ceiling that you're looking for but like having that sustained level of production is still worth a lot in my eyes yeah so that's, that's kind of how i view did more i'm gonna ask you guys a really random question right now um for your you're doing a dynasty startup draft right now assuming that both of these players are in deandre hopkins is in arizona mark cooper's in dallas for the next three years or whatever who is the first one off the board for you deandre hopkins I, I might I might go elsewhere. I might actually go Cooper there. I could say Cooper. Like just, you could an, make age, an, argument. just an age thing. I really like the situation there in Dallas. I mean, I like in, in, in Arizona too, but I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if, how much of a time gap he has to really get his shit together. Yeah. It's more so the – so for Cooper and Nuke, the offsetter is that uh, the age kind of offsets the injuries for me because Cooper, Cooper always is like kind of hurt. So those kind of cancel out, and then, you know, Nuke's a little bit better. So that's kind of how I feel about that. Yeah, I hear you. All right, I think, I think it's like super close though. Yeah, definitely. yeah. I've just never been a huge fan on Amari Cooper. Basically, half his games is giving you a dud. And I know Mike doesn't really care about boom bust, but if you're looking for a wide receiver, one and Hopkins can give you those boom games while also having a solid floor. Sure, it might take a little bit longer for him to get that chemistry, but the NFL season might not start for two years. We might be out of jobs, so <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really matter to me. Right, we're about to file bankruptcy. We are so fucked. All right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, that's all we got for this free agency breakdown. Um, Gus Edwards just got tendered. That means probably nothing but by Baltimore <laughs> yeah he was in like ERFA whatever that means uh electric restricted free agent yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of the ER I don't know what that means I think it's um, exclusive rights free agent oh man I would have loved to have seen Justice Hill just like secure that number two role um all right well if y'all want to to join that discord channel that we talked about before if you want to get into uh, a little bit of a like-minded community around dynasty and rookie and the nfl draft all together and since everyone's sitting their asses at home it's <laughs> we need to find things to do that will uh will be a little bit of fun for us so you guys can go right, join uh, that. that will be in the description 
We're at 473 members, guys. So it's, uh, it's popping. Let's fucking go. Yeah. It's popping in there. Um, yeah. Every time I go in there, it's fucking electric. It's like actually really fun to be in there. Uh, we also will be launching the first edition of the Rookie Dynasty kit on April 1st. That's like three guys. We got to get our shit together. That's like Two three weeks. weeks away. Yeah, that's like really close. Away. We're actually almost pretty much up to date. I finished up my last uh, profile post combine. So uh, right now we have partnered up with Monkey Knife Fight, though. They are sponsoring the draft guide this year. So you guys will be able to get both the Rookie Dynasty kit and the season-long kit, which has all of our sleepers, all of our rankings, literally like 48 amazing, valuable fucking things for you guys. Like, if you enjoyed our analysis today, the guide goes in like 17 times more deep. So, bigdogdraftguide.com forward slash MKF. You'll be able to get it for $10 hairs. All the instructions will be on that page. We love you. Wait, one sec. One sec. I actually just thought of of something that's that's pretty important. Uh, 49ers traded... Uh, Butner, uh, is it Butner or Butker? What a fuck name, Butner. Butner, uh, really for, Butner. A, for a first round pick. So now the San Francisco Niners actually have two first round picks. I would expect them to trade back and maybe get a couple seconds, which puts them in the running back market, uh, which I did not think was possible before. So still unlikely in my eyes because they have a lot of other holes to fill, but something to keep in mind because that's a great landing spot for running backs. They had 500 something touches split between Mostert. Uh, Breda and doesn't Coleman uh, have zero dollars of dead cap? Yep, and Coleman, Coleman's gonna get the boot, in my opinion, because zero dollar hit and he was just not good. So I heard, uh, I heard Jarek McKinnon might make a comeback this year, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> That's your fucking boy. <laughs> that is definitely not my boy, he's not very good, but all uh, right, it's possible. Y'all hit that thumbs up if you enjoyed the video. If you've stuck around this long, let us know. Drop that comment down below. Make sure you're following these two assholes on the Twitter. Those will be somewhere up on the screen right now. And uh, just thank you guys for joining us this week. We'll see you possibly on an extra episode of Monday Breakdowns on Wednesday. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.